Do you guys want me to do it? Or yes, do yes, you- no, yes, please, yes, of course, yes, yes please. Um, yeah. <laughs> Hi, this is Eliza Clark. I'm the showrunner of Why the Last Man, and you're listening to that episode was. Awesome. I mean, that was awesome. that Thank one was you. really awesome. good. That was yeah. Awesome. I was I was a child actor. I, I saw you so. take your moment too. I did. Yeah. 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 Really we're gonna have to get in character. You know? a little bit. If we're gonna yeah, suck yeah. up to anybody, Philip. <laughs> 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 Hello, we are popsicle. In today's episodes, we will be offering opinions and reactions to the season finale of Why the Last Man titled Victoria. Why the Last Man follows a diverse group of survivors after an apocalyptic event leaves York Brown as the world's only remaining human with a Y chromosome. Developed for television by Eliza Clark and streaming on FX on Hulu, the show is based on the Vertigo comic series of the same name by writer Brian K. Vaughn and artist Pia Guerra. This episode, Victoria, is written by showrunner Eliza Clark and directed by Daisy von Schurlemeyer, which I apologize if I'm mangled. Before we get into the nitty and the gritty, let me issue a final warning. If there was ever an episode to spoil, it is this one. And if you have not yet watched, this is a bad time to listen. So stop listening now, unless you are a chaos bringer. Uh, Go watch the show. Go watch the whole series if you haven't. Then come back when you're all caught up and listen to us uh, yammer on. Now, before I introduce our special guests, let me first introduce my lovely co-hosts. I am Justin, writer and occasional editor of Things, and I'm joined as always by my amazing crew. First, we have that astrological analyst and awesome author, Kelly Sue Milano. Hi, Kelly Sue. Hi. Next, the preeminent purveyor of pencil and paint, Lisa K. Weber. That's me, hi. Third up, our geeky graphic goddess and guide to galactic glory, Claire Thorne. Galactic glory. That sounds a little bit wrong, but I'll let it go. And finally, my fraternal foe of fantastic fuckery, our producer, (laughs) Philip Kelly. Uh, Hi there. It actually is an alliteration with my name even, which I appreciate. Thank you. (laughs) Yes, that was quite deliberate. Um, And I say finally, but we do have, as I mentioned before, two guests to introduce. And for them, I will will ditch the goofy alliterativeness, alliteration. First, we have Tilly Bridges, a trans woman who, along with her wife, Susan, writes fun, hope-fueled sci-fi with a sprinkle of comedy. Hi, Tilly. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Tilly also runs a really kick-ass Star Trek game. Um, (laughs) Next, we have trans activist, environmental activist, and former mayoral candidate, Jack Knoxville. Hey, Jack, long time no see. Hey, hey, how's it going? Um, Now, before we dig into this show, um, do you guys want to introduce yourselves, tell the listeners a little bit where they can find you and what you do in the world? Uh, Jack, let's start with you. 
Great. Thanks so much. Uh, so yeah, I, I run an organization that I started back in 2016 called Trans Empowerment Project. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about our work, you can go to transempowerment.org. But we are focused on moving the trans community out of crisis and into empowerment through direct aid and a plethora of other programs um, just to help folks find their power. And uh, yeah, let's start making some movements here. Excellent. And Tilly. I am a uh, writer, chiefly. I'm a part of a writing team with my wife. Uh, we're the only trans woman, cis woman writing team that we know of, which is kind of cool. Um, we're also producers. We've been running uh, PendantAudio.com, which is a podcast production company that specializes mostly in uh, audio drama. Been running since 2004. And um, we write all kinds of crap. And you can find us at birdguest.com, or you can look me up at Tilly Bridges on Twitter. I can honestly say it may be all kinds of many things, but it is not crap, having read some of that goodness. Um, but enough about these powerful people. Um, let's talk about the show. Um, for me, the first big story in this episode was Heroes. Um, finding out the truth about the event with her mom, event in quotes, air quotes. Um, am I the only one who thinks that from a story perspective, these were excellent choices? I mean, their drama was so regular, almost mundane, and yet so awful. It was, for me at least, powerfully familiar. I have had those kinds of horrible dinners. I have had a sibling who will suck the air and joy out of a room in a heartbeat. Um, I have also innocently yammered on about some bullshit that no one else really cared about while the rest of the family indulged me. Um, but now that this first season is done and Hero has saved Yorick by committing murder yet again, but also cemented herself as a lieutenant among these new daughters of the Amazons, how do you see her? Is she a villain or does she live up to her name? And let's just jump right in with one of our fabulous guests. Tilly, let's start with you. What do you think about Hero? I think Hero is complex. And that's the way you want your characters to be. I think she's, you know, she has, uh, she's one of my favorite kinds of characters, the, the total dirtbag who kind of wants to be a better person. Although sometimes she's faltering here because, you know, you can get led astray. So I think it's, um, I don't know. I like her story a lot. Um, it's not clean it's dirty it's messy it's complicated and that's life you know so um i, I dig it philip <laughs> i haven't called you early in a long time oh god yeah <laughs> my fraternal foe what are your thoughts on hero and uh, her story i mean i i i mean i kind of have to agree with tilly there i i'm finding her story arc to be very intriguing um I don't think she's going to be a villain. I don't see that really happening or, or even a good guy per se, even a hero as her name implies. I mean, obviously we, we find out the true uh, sort of, um, you know, where her name came from in this case, uh, a comedy. I love it. Um, that whole conversation was fantastic between both uh, her and Nora, where they just got to be people for a minute um, and talk to each other about, things and and life and stuff and it was uh it was nice to see the character treated in a way for a moment here without the 
the drive of the story or, or the, necess the necessity to drive the story forward in that moment. And I, I really appreciate moments like that in uh, long form storytelling. Um, so yeah, just to see that humanity and that messiness and that, that awkwardness and that sort of being left out and separate, but wanting to be a part of it, but then still pushing yourself away. It's such a human trait that I'm familiar with. Um, and I found a lot of connectivity in this episode with some characters that maybe I was more so watching in previous episodes. Um, so that was nice. Do you think, um, and I'll throw this to Kelly Sue, do you think that if she had not been misinformed about the death of her mother, do you think she still would have saved Yorick? I totally do. Yeah? I think she would have seen her brother and she would have absolutely been like, that that would have been shocking enough on its own, I think, to sort of snap her out of that, you know, haze of the cult that she was already kind of waking up to, right? Um, so yeah, I think she totally would have would have saved him, no matter what. Um, I loved that sequence. I loved them being each other. Um, I also really loved this peek at Hero that we got. I saw so much of myself um and was so was so able to relate to that that part of you that's kind of like wants to stir shit up that you just can't seem to control sometimes and that moment that she has with sam after the dinner where she says i made a mess i was like oh i've been there so hard <laughs> so i was able to really i i really felt for her in this episode more than i more than i ever have um, Jack, what are you? What are your feelings on the show and on Hero in particular? How is it? How is it? I mean, we've never discussed the show with you before. How is it all shaping up to you? And what do you think of her and her arc in particular? Um, such big questions. Uh, overall, I I found myself getting hooked on this show pretty straight away. Like as soon as you mentioned about watching it I was like okay cool let's jump in we watched one episode which turned into four like <laughs> immediately um and one of the things that I really did find myself gravitating towards was Hero's Journey um and especially as somebody who has really kind of raised myself like I've been on my own since I was 14 and trying to find my way and trying to trust like who's giving me the right information and doing the best I can with what I've got while I've got it and then seeing how easy it is to fall in with the wrong people or be misguided, um, you know, and then also trying to like reclaim those parts of myself so that I'm, I'm figuring out me, I'm figuring out my space in the world, my dynamics with other people. And um, basically to Tilly's point, you know, there's so much complexity there. And I feel like they did a really great job of capturing that with Yara's character. Lisa Weber. Weigh in. Boy. Give us your might. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm. I'm kind of. I'm. I'm with Kelly Sue as far as like this is definitely the episode where I feel like this has given us the most to love about Hero. It's made her like more relatable than she's ever been. Um, in how different she is from, you know. And I mean, particularly in that flashback sequence, how like she's not she's not part of this um, or she doesn't feel like she's part of this dynamic at all. 
I mean, we've got like Jennifer and Beth over there who are constantly like kind of like apologizing and trying to protect the men at the table. And um, she's the one that's like trying to like, you know, wade through it and like call people on this bullshit. And it's, I mean, it's, there was a lot in this show to relate to. Um, and this was definitely one of those moments. And yeah, I, I really, I really loved her. And I really, I don't think that she's a villain. I don't think that she's going to be a villain. I think she's definitely on a hero arc. Um, but yeah, I mean, as, as Tilly said, as Jack said, there are going to be missteps because we're humans and that's what humans do. They make mistakes here and there and then, you know, hopefully learn from them. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, I, I, you know, like I said, hero, I see my own sister in hero in a lot of ways, you know, mm -hmm. um, like I see that draw to just do or say something totally whack and then you know and then to be filled with regret moments later you know and you know that that uh for lack is that lack of self-control really you know that the lack of a governor you know is very very familiar to me uh claire how uh how does hero strike you do you have something that maybe she did you learn something new about hero in this episode like, did you feel her more um, as well, well as everyone else? In terms of feeling her more, I think I was just really appreciating that they didn't give us a backstory that was about Hero being this addict because she's, you know, all of the kind of tropey reasons why we have addicts in stories. But we really do see that she uses her drinking um, and her and her belligerence, her her. Uh, you know, stirring up shit. She uses both of those things as a coping mechanism. Um, I, I, I really, it was such a great, you know, we just get one little dinner scene, right? And it kind of lays out this whole um, life that she's had in her family where she clearly has felt like the one who is not in step with everyone else and yet probably sees everybody else in her family better than you know, anybody else is, you know, she's, she's seeing what her dad is doing. She's very cognizant and, and aware of what's going on between her parents and that that is not the front that they're, boy, they were good in that scene to Lane and the guy who plays her husband. They were so great at being just the very amenable, you know, couple who are bouncing off of each other verbally and just, you know, to, anyone else in the world and clearly to Yorick, I think, because Yorick's so in his own head, you know, they just look like everything's going, you know, everything's going fine for them. Um, and it's not, and being that person who can, um, smell the disease, right. Um, right in front of you and feel the hypocrisy of being called out constantly for your choices and who you are, it's just you 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 can feel just the the lava the seething lava i and i don't know if she's going to be a villain yet or not i think and we're going to talk about them more but i think this 
real, this transformation um, that we have and kind of a reveal, I feel like Nora just kind of like peeled off her chrysalis, right? Like just, and spread her wings and the reveal that this is who Hero is going to be taken in by um, felt so right. It was so, so well done. And it felt like Hero should be there at that moment. It was be- it was feeling increasingly like more wrong that Roxanne was, you know, the the big bad mm-hmm. in that group. Um, so yeah, the way the way they just brought that whole narrative to this point at the end of the season is just perfect. For me, the thing that I really latched onto in Hero's story, or in, in particular in her backstory, is Hero's a paramedic. You know? Like, that's not nothing. Especially when her moronic little brother is talking about escape artistry by way of performance, by referencing, you know, Elvis Presley's stillborn twin brother. You know? And it's all like, like y- you kind of think, which one of the two of us is, has to get their act together? You know what I mean? Like, like, it, but which is funny because he's actually trying to get his act together. Yeah. <laughs> just when I think, just when I think you can't top yourself, you do. Um, no one's um, safe. <laughs> did y'all um, catch the little dig that that they had with when 355 was i think telling uh dr man that she can she can get out of any like, handcuffs. Her sleep yes yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, like i've tried being tied up but i funnily enough i can just escape in anything in my sleep and it was <laughs> beautiful it would have been anyway, so wonderful sorry, if york Justin. had been there for that no it's yeah. okay yeah. but like I can really relate to being the sibling who gets judged just by, I think just by virtue of being the oldest, you know, who gets judged on a way different scale. Like the scale slides so much in the favor of the younger siblings because of the tired parents. You know what I mean? Like they don't have, they're like, okay, you know what? This thing that I would have torn your ass apart for had you done I'm gonna let your little brother slide, you know? (laughs) And that's infuriating. And that's honestly why I wondered if, you know, because Hero has been, you know, brainwashed, programmed a little bit. You know, she's dealing with substance abuse, substance abuse withdrawal, substance withdrawal, you know, like deprivation, you know, incredible grief and trauma and loss. And I found, I legitimately, I still wonder, you know, if she had not heard that she lost her mom, who was clearly the person that she had the biggest issue with, you know, would she have been far gone enough that she would have taken out her brother because he's the last man, which they were looking for to kill, you know? Um, And I'm still not settled on that. Although, you know, I hear what you guys are saying about it. Um, You mean like she would, like, like she might've, killed Yorick if she hadn't found out about her mother or yeah. gotten misinformation about her mother she would have killed Yorick basically to get back at her mom I think that I think that would have been part of it yeah I think it would have been because she's 
brainwashed and programmed and and fucked with. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that hearing about her mom sort of was like a defibrillator, you know, like an emotional defibrillator for that sort of thing. It kind Mm -hmm. of brought her Mm -hmm. back to herself in a way. Yeah. You know? yeah. I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know if, I mean, I know this is like, you know, it's just pure speculation. Supposition. Pure yeah. speculation. I don't, I don't know. I don't think that she would have, when it came down to it, I don't think she would have been able to do it. Whether she found, whether she knew about her mom's state or not. Um, mm. She's still like, I don't think she's so far into the programming that she can't, um, you know, recognize her, emotions no, I, I, hmm, I don't know and feel genuine happiness that he's still alive well she definitely felt that and that moment when they see each other was some you know beautiful master class level acting they were yeah you know uh, olivia thurlby that's her name mm-hmm. yes and and ben schnetzer were bringing it they were bringing it really hard there and i i yeah, really felt were. it um and I think poor Ben Schnetzer has not gotten necessarily his due because he's been really great in this show. Mm-hmm. He was fantastic um, well, this, this episode in particular. Yeah. I mean, I will probably be talking about that silo scene in a minute, but holy shit. I mean, that was yeah. incredible. That yeah, entire absolutely. scene was incredible. Yeah. Um, but I just, I really tapped into a certain level of yet yeah, just resentment for her family as a whole. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And Roxanne had kind of juiced her up for, you know, Let's talk about how awful your brother was. You know what I mean? And, you know, there were moments when I think Hero was drinking the Kool-Aid. And I think that there's delicious drama in if I hadn't learned, I might have killed this man. Do you know what I'm saying? I might have killed my brother. But they also didn't really rub up against that as hard as they could have. So maybe I'm just, you know, maybe I'm seeing the story I would tell as opposed to the story that's there. So It would have been very Shakespearean. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so fitting. <laughs> let's talk now because we've already, you know, Claire already let us in, and so maybe we'll let Claire lead us in again. But let's talk about Nora's transformation into Victoria. Now, for those of you who don't know, and I'm this is a mini spoiler for the comic, but Victoria is the leader of the Am- daughters of the Amazon in the comic, and Victoria in the comic blends a lot of what you get from Roxanne with a lot of what you get from Nora um, in that, you know, Victoria really engages in that hardcore anti-man demagoguery that Roxanne was on, you know, and was driving her followers with. And Victoria does the same. But Victoria in the comic dies at the end of the Marysville storyline. Like that's the, that's the point at which she's no longer a big part of the story. Um, but here it's kind of like Victoria's born at the end of the, the Marisville storyline. And it's really juicy to me. And like, I don't know about you guys. To me, this is definitely the birth of a villain. I mean, she straight out threatens the world in her closing soliloquy, you know. Um, talk to me about Nora. What are you feeling? Claire, why don't you start? Because you you already, you seem to have some eagerness to go there, so. Oh God, yes. Um, number one, Marin Ireland, I- I've been, she's been one a favorite actress for me for a long time. Um, she's just phenomenal. And she was so great in this episode yet again. And I just give props to anyone who lays out battle plans using like 
toys and like I can I didn't even I've got to go back and watch that scene at the pool again just to see what all she's using to lay out her battle plan but it it was just that whole portrayal of her like you know doing her best to lead these girls these young girls for the most part they were all wearing pink and and were adorable as they come riding into town to kick some ass I mean that was just amazing. Um, but as Nora's, you know, really trying to pull them together and do something logical and not just be going in guns blazing, um, the, the very like personal moments she has with hero, that was another, you know, favorite scene, that whole conversation, um, and watching Roxanne in the background during all of these scenes, because we don't, we don't get anything from Roxanne's point of view in this, but we're, we're watching her react to Nora and seeing her realize that, that Nora is much more capable of being in control of this group um, and the threat that Nora posed. I loved all of that as well. Um, and yeah, that final scene in the pool, at the pool, and after talking to her daughter about like, I don't know what it means to be a woman anymore. Like what, what does getting your period even mean at this point? That means you're a woman now, but wh why, why does that mean she's a woman now? I, and her very astute observation that Roxanne has turned into this, the man, if, if we're going to get rid of the, all of the men, in the world that have been harming us and are, you know, horrible, then, you know, Roxanne fits that bill. It was all so well orchestrated. It was yeah. so much more of a satisfying, well, we, we just don't get much background for the daughters of the Amazon in the comic. Um, and I just, I'm really, really, really happy with where they, how they have developed a backstory for this group, because it gives them it gives hero especially very valid emotional motivations. Um, but I appreciate that Victoria now has, you know, is this person that has been created in the show. Just amazing. Tilly, I'm, 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 I'm turning to you because I'm checking out your hair, which the listeners can't see, but I'm checking out your <laughs> hair and I see just a touch of, between you know uh, uh, of the Victoria there yeah. just a touch yeah. so I so I feel like you know bring it bring it bring it to I me Victoria it. bring it to me Tilly what what are your thoughts how did you react to to Victoria's transformation have you read the comic are you familiar with the comic I have not read the comics no the comic is a very different animal from from this show um, but so how did Nora slash Victoria slash parenthetically Roxanne how did that all hit you and do you feel like this is a satisfying wrap-up to that particular mini arc and what do you want for Victoria going forward um I don't know I tend to not want things for characters and stuff I watch going forward I'd rather experience what the writers want to tell me so I try to avoid doing things like that it's just my personal flavor I, I like to experience what the writers want not what I want you know what are you giving me and I, I approach it from that angle um, so I don't really want anything for her but I think it was um, a good story I think looking back at it you can see 
from when Nora first started watching Roxanne and how she was whipping up the crowd and you could see the gears turning. I think this is always where it was going to go for her. She's too smart. Um, and when she learns, you know, oh, I could do this better than her and run things better than her and keep my daughter safer. Um, to me, it seemed like that was the perfect way for it to go, where, perfect spot for that particular bit to um, resolve. But um, I like, I have a, there's a thing, okay, with, with, with Nora uh, uh, becoming Victoria, this whole choosing a new name thing is a very intrinsically trans thing. But um, I feel that it's indicative of a larger issue I have, which this is probably not the spot to talk to it, but I feel like there were a lot of missed opportunities for um, better trans representation in the show. And I think that was just one instance of it happening um, where this is something that every trans person has gone through, every trans person knows, and it's in no way connected with what happened with Nora. And I mean, like, this is a, I don't want to derail your your question in the, the, no, the talk. No, but, but this is a good direction. Go take it. Yeah. Take it. Yeah. It's organic. Yeah, Go ahead. Okay. So at its heart, I think the show is about two things, right? It's about women and it's about identity. Would, would you agree? You think that's pretty much what the show is about? Who am I? And it's about what is this world of women, right? Mm -hmm. But nobody on this planet knows themselves and identity issues better than trans people do. Um, I feel there is a huge missed opportunity for having um, Sam and other trans men working with these cis ladies who now are casting off what society told them they were and trying to figure out who they are. And I feel for a show that, I mean, there are a lot of larger um, issues with the trans stuff in the show that maybe we can get to later, but I feel like that was another really big missed opportunity to tie Sam into the overall story a lot more or other trans men, there can be more than one. Um, and, and, you know, the other half of that is that it's a show that's about women, but not trans women. It's about every other group of women, but we're the ones that get left out. We're the ones that always get left out of everything. And that's really hard to deal with. Uh, I have further thoughts about that that we can get into later, but I mean, it's like a white cis woman and a black cis woman have very different experiences of womanhood, but they're both women. The same is true of trans women. We're still women. And the fact that every aspect of women and womanhood is in this show, except for us, is a hard thing to deal with. Have you, um, did you listen to, the to our episode where we interviewed the showrunner? I did. Because at the very least, and I'm not saying that this fixes things by any stretch of the imagination, but that is something that she at least was keenly aware of. Yeah. And, but, and you know, she brought that up without us, without us bringing it to her. Sure. And, and, and it's good that it's on their mind and it's something that they're thinking about. But I also feel like, like, I don't remember who said what exactly in that call. You know, it was kind of long and I didn't have everybody's voices memorized. But it's all good. Like, everyone on the call was a cis person and somebody was like you don't know how painful it is that we have this world without trans women and hearing that from a cis person is rough um and I, again i don't want to be like i don't like i i really like this show but um it's like okay let me, let me try to put it this way if there was any other think of any other minority part of our population any other group that's a, a minority group of the whole right Think of something 
that they are associated with that is a stereotype that's hurtful, that's harmful, that's untrue. Now picture a show where that minority group and that hurtful thing about them are the only two things missing from society. And we wouldn't put up with that for any other group, but for trans women, it's okay. We're not men. And to, cor to correlate us with men in this show, I mean, that's the thing that transphobes and TERFs throw at us all the time. You're just men in dresses. Mm -hmm. And so to have, I mean, like Dr. Man's speech in episode five was so good. I was like out loud cheering, right? I'm like, yes, mm -hmm. you, you get it. Their heart is in the right place. But at the same time, it's a show where trans women and cis men are all dead. And the bigots in society are going to be like, because they're just men. And I, it's, it's hard. I mean, even the title, The Last Man, well, what are all the, uh, all the trans men in the show? Doesn't that title imply they're not men? Because they are men. So he's, Yorick isn't the last man, he's the last cis man. And so I just feel like it's so complicated because I really like the show, but it, it gives me some bad feelings sometimes. Uh, it's it's definitely complicated. I know my I myself have thought about the the titling, and I my I I know that I have made in my head I've made the excuse for the show. Well, it's branding because it's a comic and it's a familiar property, and that's what that's why they they're keeping that name, you know. Mm -hmm. But it is an excuse at its core. I know that. Well, even know? still, even if if that is the reason, what's the readership for the comic? It doesn't compare to the readership for any or the viewership for any television show, even though the TV audiences are so much smaller now than later. And I don't think that just keeping that same title when you could put based on why the last man from Vertigo, uh, you know, right underneath the title would be You're fine. Absolutely right. So mm -hmm. I, I don't think it's worth the possible harm and damage that it does that with the things it implies. Again, I don't think there was any malicious intent. I think their heart was in the right place all the way through. But I think just the concept of it is fundamentally a little not great for trans people. Jack, now, I mean, you, you have to be coming to this from a different perspective because you're a trans man, you know? Um, and this show has, you know, some, has, trans men are not left out in the way that trans women are. Um, how did this hit you? How, did, how does this hit you? How does what Tilly's saying hit you? And, you know, what feelings does this bring up to you as you watched it? Well, definitely to Tilly's point, you know, why the last man when New York is not in fact the last man. Um, is a problem and and was definitely problematic, you know, and one of those things that I felt like I really had to work to put to the side as I watched this because I did like the show. I really enjoyed the storylines. I really enjoyed the characters. I thought so much of this show was handled really, really well, but I think that there are so many missed opportunities for engaging with the trans community, representing the trans community, and, and really, like, educating because of the fact that, you know, so many, so many bigots are out there. And I mean, we are the central target of most hate, especially as a trans person of color. I am a disabled trans person of color. I am one of the most marginalized of communities. I have to deal with so much every single day. And anytime that, um, you know, a storyline is handling a, a trans character, there is a, a bit of a responsibility there. 
to educate and to inform because one thing, especially as an activist that, that I really love about media is that media can get into doors that are otherwise closed to everybody else, you know, and there is such an opportunity to bring that education into a place that may not otherwise be exposed to it. I mean, I live in East Tennessee and, you know, it, for me, when I first moved here, um, you know, just the barriers of, and things that I had to break down to, to get trans care in this area at all. And so like having, having trans characters on the show, I loved that they actually use trans men. That was nice. Um, you know, and I really appreciated that, but I think, yeah, I was, I was a little disappointed that there wasn't more around Sam's journey, especially yet. I don't know where it goes because I didn't read the comics. So, um, I'm, I'm hopeful that there is, you know, some, some work done around that, but, um, yeah, I mean, even, even with like thinking about like your original question, when you were talking about Nora, you know, got me thinking about, um, confronting white supremacy in the work that everybody's doing right now to push back and to create some actual learning um, and healing within themselves. You know, Nora kind of represented that for me. And I felt like, you know, there's this, there's this moment, especially like as, as a trans person of color, like who's lived in the South, I feel like I'm always kind of having to walk on eggshells to protect other people's fragility. And, you know, that's the way the world has been presented to me is like, I have to make sure that everybody else is comfortable. So it's very difficult when I'm having an issue to actually express that without, you know, being met with hatred and of course, like refusal to believe me and, and things like that. Um, but what I saw with Nora was like, it, it just reminded me of like that, um, this, this struggle of like making that shift of like, cause I saw her being very careful and trying so hard to be protective and wanting to change and wanting to do all these things, but then kind of getting pulled in here because it's like, oh, well, I have to be safe. So I have to just allow these people to be how they are, regardless of how problematic they are. And seeing that struggle within her and then finally that being like, hell no, like, no, no, this is horrible. This is wrong. Um, for myself, you know, shortly after George Floyd was murdered, I, um, yeah, I, I went on Instagram live. I dropped a hit of acid and broke up with white supremacy, <laughs> you know, and it was, it was that powerful moment. And I really felt like that was, that was the moment that I saw Nora, um, with reclaiming that power. And so the one thing I will, um, also bring up with that is like when Tilly was talking about the name dynamic, like absolutely that is something that like for a trans person, that's an entire journey, an entire experience of trying to figure out who you are and who you were meant to be and reclaiming that power. And so I, I, I liked, especially as thinking about Nora in that analogy that I just brought up, I kind of liked that changing of that reclaiming of power. Um, with her taking on the name Victoria and, and just reclaiming her power and being like, I'm not going to be pushed around anymore. I'm not going to be this person. Like I'm reclaiming my power. Um, but I do think that like, yeah, if there was, if there was a way to tell that story differently so that that power was coming from somebody who was trans, I think that would have been so much more impactful. I, you definitely make me, I mean, because I agree, Sam is the character who I think got the shortest end of the stick on the show mm -hmm. in the, in terms of Sam and Beth, I suppose, you know, in terms of us getting into who they are 
and mm. you know and more about their story and sam is an original character for the show sam is not in the comic at all um and i you know it would have been a really great scene to see Stan, sam engaging this name changing ceremony mm. at you know the daughters of the amazon were going through it would have been really that would have been something worthy of confrontation and i think it would have i don't know it would have said something you know it, it would I, I know it would have hit me in a in a, in a real way well, i was very encouraged that we didn't set sam to the side right like after he leaves costco utopia it he he ends up in a place where we're like, well, what, what is that going to be exactly? And it's separate. It was separate from everything else. And so to see him show back up, um, and is now with Beth and Jennifer, I, I really, really do appreciate that. Um, because it gives us an opportunity with this character, right. To, to move forward and, and have some moments where hopefully we get to see some backstory, uh, for that character in particular, and for Beth as well, because, uh, you know, we got a nice little delicious little moment at, in the dinner where she was starting to talk about her, her views on, you know, political views and, and completely radical forms of government, um, just as a little teaser of like, oh, okay, well, maybe that's how she wound up with this, you know. It, it added context to where she is right now. For yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, this group. So yeah, I, I feel like the the showrunners, the writers, the, you know, everybody else is, are, are mindful of these things um, and listening and listening. Yeah, I think, but, that, and it's like, yeah, and I'm thank you, Tilly and Jack for coming on the show and sharing your perspectives. Mm -hmm. They're so great to have as part of the conversation and um yeah i mean i agree that sam i mean hashtag why lives on y'all second season so um I, I i'm fully expecting sam to have his own kind of real arc that's his and not necessarily associated with these other characters um and yeah like you just said Claire I, it's like I, I I I do think that it's like and like Tilly said that that their heart's in the right place and they want to do right mm -hmm. but it's like these conversations that need to be listened to and they are listening um and so hopefully mm -hmm. you know things mm -hmm. just continue to get more well and bringing um, bringing cis inclusive. women into the narrative picture it only yeah. emphasizes that that lesson that we got from Dr. Mann in, you know, it, it, it can only clarify this bigger world that they are, you know, putting together. Um, so yeah, hopefully, hopefully they do listen to that kind of input because it just makes the show more, more. Mm -hmm. Tilly's already said, <laughs> yeah. but more, you know. Yeah. I do. I definitely got the impression the show and the people behind the show are open to genuine criticism, you know, to criticism and discussion that's, you know, not attacking them for who they are, but, you know, offering criticism, offering critique, offering analysis and discussion and, and opportunities to do better, not, you know, 
go woke, stay broke or whatever, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but does anyone want to talk about Victoria? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I did what I, I mean, holy shit. I will say yeah. that Nora's, Nora's becoming, um, to borrow our Hannibal term, mm-hmm. um, is, uh, wow. Yeah. That, that whole scene of like, you know, just taking it back, just being like, okay, I'm not going to be the person behind the scenes anymore. Um, I'm ready to be the person in front, um, especially given like um, what happened with Mac and like Mac getting her first period. And that hit me a lot. I mean, for what it's worth, I got my period today, not for the first time, but I got yet another period today. I would like to no. say that would have been, that would have been <laughs> remarkable. <laughs> it would have been, been remarkable if I got my first period today. But exactly. Yes. That would have I, I was prepared. But anyway, um, it so, you know, it kind of like that whole kind of sequence that given that this is the state that I'm in today, kind of it hit extra. Um, and you know, that whole kind of like messaging around, um, periods for anybody who gets a period, um, it's, there's such fucked up messaging around it. Um, and it's this it's this rite of passage and the reason like you know what claire was saying about like why does this now make you a woman Mm -hmm. um i mean like according to what nora had said to mac um it's it's not so much it makes you a woman it just it it opens your eyes um to the fact that life's not fair you know And that, um, and that there's, you know, that it's just without outside intervention, it just happens whether you want it to or not. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's an inevitability for those who get them. And it's, and yeah, and it's like, there's this, there's still all this stigma around it and for that to kind of contribute to Nora's galvanization in the end, at least I saw it as a contribution to her, her final moment in the end. It wasn't the sole Mm -hmm. thing, but it was like one of many things that happened that brought her to that place where she was able to kind of take control Um, because it puts everything in perspective, man. It really does. And so Mm -hmm. I, 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 I was just, I was, yeah, I was feeling that today <laughs> watching yeah. this episode. That, that label of you're a woman now because you're menstruating is a decidedly male label. Exactly. It's, yeah. uh, you know, it, getting your period doesn't make you overnight emotionally able, you know, it doesn't it advance you emotionally or in maturity or it does nothing along those lines, what it has meant historically is, oh, that, that small young girl who, you know, 
I have control over um, is now of childbearing capability. <laughs> and it, it, there's something so horrific and egregious about that, that, that speaks to the control men have over women. And to hear Nora kind of parrot it in that like deadpan kind of way, um, mm -hmm. you can you can see her working through and and figuring out what this new world is kind of like. Um, and which is again why I appreciate so much that she walks out and recognizes the negative, toxic, um, control that's coming from Roxanne in that moment, because it reminds, it, it reminds us all that it, these things are not entirely dictated by our perception of gender, mm -hmm. that there's, it is something that we can all, these good qualities and bad qualities are things that we can all embody, um, that's a little bit rambly, but I'm, and my brain is trying to make a connection. And it's partly because I'm just still thinking about all of the things that happened in the end of that episode. Um, mm. But it is partly making a connection to the fact that we, we make these assumptions about humans and what they are based on these very trivial, meaningless moments in time, mm -hmm. things that we, we, we see as being, you know, uh, uh, markers in our lives. And, oh, we're about to shouldn't... go into the time is an ocean conversation. Uh -oh. <laughs> they oh, should there already. I I, what, what struck me so much about that <laughs> sequence with Mac getting her period, um, was how Nora walks into the bathroom and the towel is just there, right. With, with mm -hmm. her menstrual blood on it. And I was thinking to myself, like what it brought up for me around that time of my life when I got my very first period, right? Mm -hmm. um, it was a moment where I was now like, it was like I was handed down this like ancestral shame of like, oh, this is something that happens to me, but I can't talk about it. And like, if I go to school and I have like a pad in my purse, I have to hide it. Mm. No one can ever know when I'm on my period. Like there's an ongoing joke about like my aunt Flo is visiting or whatever the fuck, right? Right, right. Um, something to be hidden away. Yeah. Something to be hidden away. And the fact that she's just like, I'm gonna just leave this bloody towel out here. <laughs> I was like, damn, that would have been a different experience to have. <laughs> for me, you know, even though I grew up in a house with, you know, a mom and, and sisters or whatever. Um, but it was just that feeling of like, you know, there was not a shameful conversation that was going on between Nora slash Victoria and Mac. Um, and then to have what happens afterwards go down, I was like, um, this is all a bunch of emotions that I don't know how to <laughs> articulate right now. Um, so I don't even know if I'm contributing something to this conversation right now. <laughs> well, no, but this is like- but, uh, That was my, that was the experience I had with that, particularly the, her getting her period. 
kind of yeah. I think this the the fact that the conversation has gone this way really underscores that this is, you know, at its heart and soul, this is a show by and about women, you know, (laughs) cis women at least, you know, and you know it's so funny because you know i mean you just say you know that ant flow is a sort of something to hide and it's so mm-hmm. funny and i guess because like i learned about menstruation from books no my parents did not explain to me anything about that when my mom got pregnant with my little sister i was handed a bunch of books here's how babies are made here's where did i come from mm-hmm. you know read up you're on your own buddy you know what i mean and mm-hmm. like so I didn't, it never even occurred to me that there would be shame associated with it. You know what I mean? (laughs) Justin, I was taught about menstruation in Sunday school when I was taught that, that God cursed all of women for Eve's transgressions in the garden of Eden with, with, with menstruation and painful childbirth. Mm -hmm. And then I'm paying for Eve's sin even now. Yeah. Yeah. I always thought the curse was just painful childbirth. I never thought it was menstruation. I never oh, thought no, it's that was the whole it's God's the whole curse. package of how women bear children. It's I delightful. also have great aunts who were born with red hair. Um, and they were teased as children because if you were born with red hair, that there was like this weird belief that your um you were somehow conceived during your mother's menstrual cycle. That's like, that was a that was a real thing. That's amazing in its levels of ignorance, and it mm. also <laughs> that's something that we're not going to top in this conversation right now. <laughs> and so that feels like a really good time for us Let's to take a break. Go to break. Maybe so. maybe shots of tequila in order after this conversation about many weighty things. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll be back to talk about you know the meathead of the cast who is uh, our cast of characters. And maybe, you know, that'll be a little less weighty in its discussion. Uh, Come back and hear us. And we're back. Uh, Welcome back. We hope that you guys took advantage of the break to, you know, make yourselves as sexy as hell for the second half of our podcast because um, that's what we expect of our audience that's it they you know if you're if you're not listening while you're sexy i don't know why you're listening right. if i was already sexy justin what if i was sexy uh, before we started then yes, yeah. <laughs> True. um so let's get into yorick because Ooh. if nothing else this put this episode put a real cap on his relatively short but important character arc because he went from someone that i dug out my thesaurus to describe as feckless in our first episode (laughs) uh, and someone who described himself as helpless Mm. to someone who doesn't want to be those things anymore he's still helpless he's Mm. still feckless but now he knows it and he knows that it's a liability and that he's a liability. And that's a very short arc in TV terms. But that's a very big arc for a human to make. Do you know what I'm saying? To, to journey to, I want to be better than I am. I know that I am sucking at this. And I can't, I can't rely 
on you women to take care of me. You know, you know, I shouldn't rely. I shouldn't have to, and you shouldn't have to do it. Like, that's a big deal. You know what I mean? And I think it's, you know, it only happened because in that moment, you know, like at the end of the episode, Yorick, as far as he knows, loses both his sister and his mom. You know, the only family he has left. And so now 10 episodes after everyone else, Yorick has lost everything, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And does this make you want to root for him more? Because let's be real. A lot of you guys, myself included, we were all pretty much ready to kick him in the dick in the first episode. You know what I mean? So, yeah. You know, are you going to, are you going to check your swing now? (laughs) <laughs> like, I kind of am. I feel oh. I felt so much love for York in this episode. I mean, oh, yeah. listen, the dude has been through uh, the ringer for sure. I mean, I think that there was a massive. It's a lot to take on in one day, finding out that your mom killed, uh, having sex with the second person ever in your <laughs> life. And then watching that person get shot in the head, that's a big day. So the fact that he made like an accelerated leap um, feels pretty on point to me. And that moment, I mean, we've already touched on, I'm sure we're all gonna talk about the moment in the silo. I was sitting there and I was like, yeah, life comes at you fast, bud. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and he was just really there taking it in and like I was yeah. so happy that they gave him that moment and that mm-hmm. it then led into the the beautiful moment that he ends up having um with 355 mm-hmm. yeah, yeah that that silo scene um my heart broke for Yorick so I'm I'm on I'm I'm rooting for Yorick now. <laughs> Don't need to kick him in the dick right now. Not right now. Um, I'm sure we'll have an opportunity. There's still there many more opportunities future, to come. I'm sure. <laughs> 100%. No, my heart definitely broke for him when, like, um, you know, when all of like when I'm, it's like he he faced reality finally. We've been waiting for him to do it this entire season, mm-hmm. and it finally. It kicked him in the dick. Reality kicked him in the dick. <laughs> so we wouldn't have to. <laughs> so we don't have to. Um, but, and yeah, it was like the whole kind of like survivor's guilt and yeah, that desire to like take more responsibility for himself and all of that was fantastic. And I mean, I know that um, we teased the time is an ocean conversation that he had with Sonia in the beginning, but I feel like that, that played a part too. Cause that was such an amazing conversation, by the way, like that, that spoke to my soul and, um, it's the way I feel about a lot of things. So I really, really appreciated that that philosophy and that it was used as a pickup line. I was just about to <laughs> say, if somebody too. got that deep trying to convince me to, <laughs> to cheat on my girl, yeah. you know, I, I would at least, I would at least be like, you know what? You get some dap at least, you know, mm-hmm. you get some dap. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, <laughs> but I mean like that, I feel like that, that also kind of dislodged him 
um, that it was something that he could, that, I mean, it was, it's something to think about. There's a lot to chew on with that concept, including like, like, you know, looking back at your life and the arc that your life is on or like that. I mean, that carrier bag thing that I talked about a couple episodes ago, where it's like, um, it doesn't have to be this linear shape. Um, it, it's so limiting. Think of all the possibilities, all the things that you can do. If you think of time this way, if you think of, if you think of a life this way, um, you're not so like, oh, I can only do this one thing because everything I've done before this has led me to this. And so I can't possibly change this path that I'm on. So when you're set free from like thinking there's a path at all, then you can be anything. And I feel like that, that maybe helped him get there too in the end. Can, can I offer an alternative here? Like, <laughs> I have to Please. say, I'm a little <laughs> conflicted on how I feel about York, because for me, what I'm seeing is somebody who, you know, in, in that episode where they were talking about how um, when he was at the table and he's talking about his um, his show that he wants to put together. And, you know, it's all, it's because his mom is his a senator and his dad is this thing. And like, he's got all these power dynamics and poor Yorick has such a terrible life as a <laughs> cis white guy who right? is coming mm-hmm. from a hell of a lot of money, privilege, class, all of the things. And so do we really like pat him on the back for waking up and realizing <laughs> his privilege in this world? Or do we actually say it's about damn time? Um, <laughs> And I'm, I'm how- guilty of it too. I'm guilty of these biases yeah. myself for men. Yeah. Like I do it too. I, I recognize mm-hmm. that in myself where I'm like, oh, he lowered my expectations. <laughs> you know, what I was going to say is I want him to remain dick kick worthy. I don't want him yes. to get better. We don't need another story where a cis by all accounts, straight white man, it, it, it's not, it shouldn't be his journey. It shouldn't be about how he decides to do the right thing and he saves humanity. This is a show that's not about yeah. that. It's not about cis well, yeah. men. Yeah. So, and, and to be honest, his, and I felt for him, I was also, you know, I feel for anyone who feels like they've just lost everything, but at the same time, his, and I know part is partly survivor's guilt, but I think it's also partly York's head still being in the space of this is all about me, Mm -hmm. um, to Tilly's point, his, his soliloquy there was if I had just not lived, none of this would have happened. And it's like, dude, you, it, you are not, you are not the linchpin in all of existence of all of reality. To be fair, everyone is treating him like he is. To be fair, which is a problem. That's also kind of the point, right? You are saving saving the world. So we have to keep you alive. You know, to be fair. Yeah. (laughs) Now he he gets to have dream sex with KCC, and that is not something we've even brought up yet. But that happened, and was uh, delightful. And, oh can, can I just say that I love that that's that was KCC's only contrib- contribution to the episode was mm-hmm. waking up from a sex dream, and I was like I was like, and now we know what her story is going to be about. <laughs> I love it. Um, um, 
Philip, because you've yeah. been so quiet mm. today, yeah. which don't get me wrong, I'm here for it. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I feel like I should I should ask you to weigh in. We know where your feelings on Yorick, you know, right. and how he's sure. how he's come. Do you sure. still want to kick him in the dick? Like where where are you at? Uh, I mean, I kind of agree with uh, uh, Claire Tillian and Jack there that uh, when he started, you know, I obviously my in that moment, you know, you're you feel for York and what he's going through. You know, we're all human beings here. Um, but at the same time, it was exactly what you know has already been said. It's uh, he's he's once again making it about very much himself. Uh, and it, you know, this is a step. You know, it's, it's like. You know, you're talking about this big, huge step that he's taken, Justin. But this is like a kind of a, a that almost kind of reels it back in for me. Like it's not as huge a step as maybe uh, uh, we think it is. Like um, it's great that he wants to protect himself and be an active role in what's going forward, as opposed to just a pawn. I think that's a good step in the right direction for that character in, in realizing who he actually is in all this. Um, but uh, I mean, the hero moment in that scene goes to 355 for being vulnerable and sitting down and, you know, being the one who kind of gets uh, York out of his, you know, the, that sort of emotional state that he's in, that sort of fight or flight mode. Um, I mean, she kind of gets that hero moment there. And that's, uh, I thought that was really great. Because um, as we discussed, and as you know, was discussed with uh, Eliza Clark, uh, she is the hero um, kind of here and going forward. Um, so, so seeing that sort of dynamic take shape, I, I think that was the most important thing for me in seeing York's dynamic shift and change was seeing 355's dynamic shift and change as well. How those two characters have kind of grown together uh, as, a, as a team. And of course, uh, Dr. Mann plays a big part in that as well. So um, it, it was less for me about Yorick you know, taking a step to being a hero and more about 355 sort of taking that step, I guess, if, if that makes sense. Um, no, that was yeah. a real capper for, capper for her arc as well, because yeah. I mean, her arc is all, I mean, her, her role has been all about lack of trust. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> and that was an amazing moment of vulnerability for her, yeah. you know. Yeah, um, that was duly noted that like she's been fighting against being vulnerable in front of anybody, anybody this yeah, entire yeah. season. And yeah, she finally man, man. allowed herself to be mm -hmm. in. And again, that silo scene having the three of them um, and the way it was staged, like with man kind of off to the, off side, to the side and in the distance yeah. Yeah. and like to show that kind of like constantly shifting dynamics between the three of them. Um in that way, in that scene, was great. I loved yeah. it. Yeah, and I also think York finally really felt what's at stake in the world in this scene for the first time, uh, which is, <laughs> I, I, I feel like, you know, he's gotten bits and pieces of it here and there. You know, he's kind of been slowly led along, but I think, uh, you know, someone who's wrapped up in their own sort of importance, in a way, has to lose everything themselves before realizing oh shit like things are bad <laughs> like, and that's a very egocentric kind of thing and i think he's that sort of character and and this was a you know you have to lose something in order i think sometimes to see what other people have lost uh and what that that or never had or, or yeah. never had uh yeah. so 
you know, it, really important, I think, for his character in, in the next step of his journey. Yeah. Yeah. Follow from privilege to switch. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is. Yeah. Um, and you know, like, I think that the one thing that the scene underscored for me, I think, you know, and Lisa just made me think of it, was you know, because we said earlier, and uh, you know, the next season, I really would like to see more of Sam, and I would like to see his mm -hmm. story and his character developed. But I also feel that way very much about Doctor Man. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Dr. Man, if, if Sam, you know, is the character with the most left yet to say, then Dr. Man has to be second. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like there's so much there that has gone, can, you know, yet unsaid. And I'm, you know, I, can, I want to be there for that. Can and I especially say? Especially because she's hilarious. Oh, she's amazing. Uh, <laughs> oh, Dr. Man as a sandbag was wonderful. Uh, what a great oh, moment. Oh, I loved it yeah, so yeah. much. My, yeah. heart, my, heart, my heart warmed. Uh, <laughs> Mine like, too. My, I, I felt like, even though, you know, I, I think I have a sizable heart anyway, I felt like the Grinch in that moment thinking that it could be even bigger <laughs> and it grew bigger. Uh, it was wonderful. Yeah. Um, I, I think the one thing I have to say, I, I, I agree. Like, I think Sam has lacked his own sort of central storyline in this, mm. his own motivating other outside of hero. But I, I can't imagine there's not a, that it's not by accident that they call him Sam, as in Samwise Gamgee, who's always there for his Frodo. Because um, that's what I felt Ow. like he's been this entire length of the show is he's been heroes, Samwise Gamgee. To it and I, 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 and I. Holy shit, Phil! That's nerdy as hell. I know it is, but I, 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 I'm gonna tell you, that's. I appreciate like, it. I appreciate it. That's Will Graham dresses like the guys from Supernatural. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I'm there. I'm yeah. here for that. Definitely that's, had that same that's moment. That's interesting yeah. insight. I, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, when you first said it, I was kind of like, really. But the more I, I think about it, the, the more that feels. The, the fact that he goes to the president in this to go, like, we have to go help Hero. Uh, she, he's going to be there we for her. We have to help Mr. Frodo. Yeah, yeah no, exactly. I, feel you. I, I, I felt the Sam in him uh, grow wow. to, throughout this. I felt the Sam just kind of continue to grow <sighs> exponentially. And that might have been a bad thing because you to know, me, Philip? Sam is the hero of the Lord of the Rings. So. Yeah, yeah agreed. Agreed. You know, Philip, wouldn't you say Samwise Gamgee is a lovely, lovely character? Uh, lovely I would say Samwise Gamgee is a lovely, uh, lovely yeah. character. Yes. Oh, no. Really? Here we go. Really? Really, Claire? <laughs> you, know you know Claire likes Claire to stir Thorne. shit up. Aren't we yeah, moving she's on a to the next one? Yeah, we should move on to the next. Wow. Uh, yeah. uh, you know. okay. Well, that was convenient. Sorry. Welcome, so... Tilly and Jack, to the dynamic here. <laughs> okay, yeah. so um, uh, in every episode of that episode was, we usually, you know, the host usually offers mm -hmm. some hot takes. Um, my first hot take is that Claire is a shit stirrer, and I don't feel like that point was made powerfully enough. So, you know, uh, for those of you listening, uh, yeah, you can see Claire's look of deep satisfaction right now. You would know that she is, you know, doing the dance of the whack. Um, uh, I think, speaking of Claire, Philip cleared me just a little bit because one of my hot takes was that. Uh, Dr. Man as a sandbag really opened my heart really wide. And I thought that was a real, you know, that was the loosening of the valve, so to speak, of, you know, at that final moment for 355 with Yorick. And I really, I really dug that. Um, and 
my my hottest hot take, and I'm going to leave it here. My hottest hot take is that on Twitter, not too long ago, Eliza Clark asked the universe, "Do you have any predictions for the finale?" And I responded by saying, "My prediction is simply that Nora is going to bust a cap in Roxanne's ass." <laughs> and abdomen you know was close. And I was, yeah. She, I mean, it was a it was a chest shot, I think, right? Was it? Yeah. But uh, it's hard to know, see. That yeah, worked for me. That was that was perfect yeah. and appropriate, and I gave myself a little psychic pat on the back. Does anyone want to offer a hot take before we move on to that episode? Was um, my only hot take was I think one of the biggest what the fuck moments for me was the little um, vibrator locator thing um, oh, yes. showing back up on the windowsill. I was like, oh great, shit! Great visual. Yes. Key. Yeah. yeah. That Culper ring stuff coming back into play was like so cool. And I had a question. So when we go to the Culper ring and we're like with 525, it's 525, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, 525. I left the hot take out. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> the the other. Uh, I believe it was 525 we, was your name. Yeah. Well, yeah. 525. And the woman and the we know we've seen leader in, woman um, flashbacks, the leader yeah. woman. We have her name somewhere. It's like Fran or something. Um, that so they're looking at like the at the tail end of that moment where they're looking at the screens and we see Beth and Jennifer and Sam in the kind of like interrogation room or whatever. They have a camera on one person sitting alone in that room. Do we know who that is? That's Justin, my other you know hot take. That, that was my other hot take. That, that, you know, but. So was that 525 in the room with her? Was that the same actress? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, because I, I wondered if that was because I didn't recognize her, you know, that quickly, but white people all look alike to me. Um <laughs> and so I um I I wondered if 525 was the solo person in the cell. And but obviously not. But uh, yeah, I definitely saw that was my other hot take. Who is that? alone in the cell in the other in the other monitor and you know for that alone hashtag why must live on (laughs) so many reasons why why must live on Mm -hmm. um so uh before we close off we always like to close an episode of that episode was with a one word or one phrase description of the episode so again philip kelly that episode was jaw-dropping Excellent. Lisa K. Weber, that episode was? An ocean. (laughs) Clarissa Thorne. Clarissa Thorne. That episode was? (laughs) That episode was a headshot. Nice. Which is two words, but I'm... That episode was... I want to say... A shadow suspended on dust. <laughs> <laughs> However, that is too inside of a joke. So I'll just say that episode was epic. <laughs> Tilly Bridges, that episode was? Um, instead of, I'm going to change your whole format. Oh, I don't care. Oh, Lord. Split. 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 Split
This is what Tilly does to us in the Star Trek games. This this is a classic case of of a white person putting a flag on our shit and discovering it for their very own. (laughs) Go for for it, Tilly. All I wanted to say was, rather than that episode was, I have to say that my feelings are and complicated. That's the best I can sum it up. Excellent. I love it. Jack, that episode was... Uh, that episode was enlightening and suspenseful at the same time. Nice. Ooh. Nice. And I will say that episode was three quarters of the way full because I really want the rest of my drink. I want more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we like to close off every episode of that episode was and every popsicle show with a recommendation. If you liked this episode of Why the Last Man or Why the Last Man in general, there might be something else for you to watch, listen to, read that you might thoroughly enjoy. And uh, Jack and Tilly, I'd love to offer you guys an opportunity to take our listeners to something new, perhaps. And Tilly, let's start with you. you have any recommendations you'd like to share? Well, I, a spot no, I, you on. I would like to say I was given no prep time for this. Yeah. So Indeed. I have sure nothing in mind. But what I can tell you is that if you'd like to see, um, if you are interested in um, trans issues and how they are portrayed in media, on Twitter, I've been going through and doing a very deep dive on the intentional trans allegory of the Matrix films. Uh, I did the entire first one. It's in five giant threads. I'm in the middle of Reloaded now. There will be one for, um, what's the third one? Revolutions later and then probably also for um you know resurrections once that's out but uh even i was incredibly surprised by how deep and how layered the allegories for that are so they really speak to um a lot of the trans experience and so if you are curious about that um if you just look uh you can look me up on twitter at tilly bridges and if you just search for uh, matrix trans allegory with my handle they will all pop up and you'll find them all and uh, maybe you will learn something cool if and, I were giving a recommendation in this episode, that probably would have been it as well. So I, I will co-sign well, you, that. Uh, mm-hmm. I have definitely read uh, Tilly's dive into the Matrix. Um, I have not read the dive into the Matrix Reloaded, mostly because I hated the Matrix Reloaded, where I loved the Matrix. Um, this will change your mind, though. You probably hated mm-hmm. it because you didn't get what the allegory part was telling you. Uh, That may be, I also may have just hated it because the combination of bad CG and slow-mo will never work for me, but (laughs) an extreme close-up. It could have been as simple as that, (laughs) you know, but um, thank you so much for your excellent recommendation. Yeah. Did you want to do a recommendation, Jack? Yeah. I mean, other than just telling people like, you know, kind of like Tilly said, like if you're interested in in learning more about trans rights, trans issues, the things that we're up against, you can visit our website. Um, but if you're looking for some entertainment, you can also check out my friend Adim from um, Adim goes by Adim the Artist on Bandcamp and just released an album called Cast Iron Pansexual. Um, and part of their proceeds are being donated to Trans Empowerment Project so we can continue to do our work of making sure that uh, QTPOC are able to eat. Awesome. How do you spell Adim? Sure, it's, I can drop it in the chat. It's A-D-E-E-M. Excellent. And you can find Adeem at adeemtheartist.bandcamp.com. 
listeners, if you like this conversation, be sure to like and subscribe to Popsicle on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, or wherever you collect your podcasts. Tune in to our next run of that episode was when the sixth and final season of The Expanse starts. And listen to our recent interview with, with Y showrunner Eliza Clark and actors Amber Tamblin and Ashley Romans. We're also currently releasing new episodes of Murder Husbands, our deep dive appreciation into Brian Fuller's Hannibal every Tuesday. Follow at Popsicle Pod on all social media. Follow our social media, which are in the description of the podcast. And visit our website, popsiclepod.com, for all the latest news and announcements. That's Popsicle Pod, P O P S K L P O D. This has been, and continues to be, and will be again, a Popsicle Podcast production.